1: okay first podcast from the toronto location of the green room our first guest and i'm so excited about this i can't believe we got him in studio i've been bugging you for weeks actually (laughs) uh, k trevor wilson how's it going doing awesome uh first of all i guess congratulations letter kenny got renewed for a second season yeah we're coming back Right now,
0: we're guaranteed another six episodes. There's uh, an up in the air about maybe more than six, but right now, at least, you know, for sure, another six.
1: The guys uh, in the in the show, because you're not only by yourself, you're part of an ensemble. Yeah, it's a large cast. Yeah, the rest of the team there. Like, did you guys all know each other before, or did you no. walk in and meet um, these characters? A
0: lot of the guys, a lot of the guys knew each other. Like, at least five cast members played on the same men's league hockey team back in Vancouver. Uh, but, uh, my first, uh, meeting with, uh, with Jared was the first day up at, up in Sudbury. Uh, I, I've, I've known Mark and Pat at New Metric Media, the producers of Letter Kenny for some time. And we've been, uh, we've been in talks for a while about, uh, you know, working on projects together. And I'd pitched them a couple show ideas over the years. And, uh, when it, this show came up with them producing it, I read for the part of Dan and uh, uh, Mark and Pat sort of went to bat for me with Jared and Jacob who were unfamiliar with my work to be like, look, if you're, you're, you said right there, you're looking for a storyteller and that th- this guy is winning <laughs> awards across Canada for doing that. So check him out. And they brought me on to the cast and uh, yeah, it was like uh, Michelle and I uh, and and Lisa who plays Gail kind of had no previous Connection with the Letter Kenny Gang, but
1: um, what was your initial reaction when you read the the script?
0: Well, I was a fan. I was a fan of Letter Kenny Problems. Uh, the YouTube sort of yeah, preamble. Yeah, yeah I'd, I mean, it's something that on my old podcast we'd we'd uh, aired all the shorts, uh, and uh, you know, it was something that I, I pushed other people to watch. So when the breakdown came across, I was like, "Is this?" the show that I think it is. And then they sent me some uh, of the YouTube clips as reference. And I was like, okay, this is exactly what I think it is. So I was, I was super excited. I'm like, that's awesome. Someone is taking this idea and, uh, and running with it. Um, My whole thing in preparation for auditioning for, for Dan was, uh, watching because I, I knew from the scripts that they'd send me that Dan was a buddy with uh, the Wayne, the Wayne and Daryl characters, so I watched all of uh, Jared and Nate's uh, sketches together and, and really focused on their pacing and, right. and trying to uh, trying to match their their cadence and speed because Leonard Kennedy's a lot of rapid fire jokes. It's big uh, time. And it's, it's pretty
1: fast. And it's also very, I find, uh, for me anyways, relatable. Because I grew up in small town Ontario. And I went to high school with every one of those people. Yeah. Which is why it's such a great show. Or are you originally from Toronto? I'm, or?
0: I'm originally from Toronto. So oh, you've I'm, never lived I'm, in. I'm a big city guy. But uh, <laughs> but I've been making my living in Canadian small towns for course. the past 15 years. Yeah. So, uh, you get a
1: good up close and up yeah, close look at that. I've,
0: I've met. I've met all these dudes doing comedy uh, and, you know, I've said Dan is kind of uh, people ask me where Dan came from. And, and besides, you know, the fact that Jared and Jacob wrote a, a fun character, I just sort of based Dan on every small town lunatic who's ever come up to me and uh, had a broken sense of the English language. And, <laughs> you know, pretty much anyone who's ever come up and been like, oh, let me give you a joke for your comedy sketch. Like that's, yeah. they've, they've been poured into Dan.
1: <laughs> you mentioned your storytelling accolades uh a few minutes ago um were you always such a uh incredible storyteller we I, I, I don't want to pump you up too much i don't want to hype you up by saying you but you've won awards so you are I, incredible you know um, i like, don't as, think so you as know. a child were you interrupting thanksgiving dinner with a story well i
0: i had a lot of funny family so, I mean, I, I came across storytelling because my family's good at telling a story, you know. Growing up, I just wanted to be funny like uh, my my aunts and uncles and my dad were, you know. Like, I always thought you know, Grandpa Wilson was a screen. Grandpa Wilson could read something out of the Reader's Digest and have everyone in stitches. <laughs> um, yeah, so I learned, you know, uh, I learned a lot from from just, you know, growing up around funny people. And then I went through theater training for years and years. And uh, very com- that's why I was... When I started stand-up, I was already comfortable on stage because I'd i been a kid actor and all that shit. But uh, uh, the storytelling really... I, I mean, I started out doing impressions. Like, I, I was a very... My first stand-up set was your standard stand-up set. It was a lot of, you know... A lot of I was nineteen, so it was a lot of dick jokes and uh, uh, a that's still my stand-up set and there. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was just sort of a the, the first story that really worked for me on stage, like as far as long-form bit was uh, the the fire story, which is is on the album. Uh, it's
1: the fire part of Sex
0: Cop Fire Penis.
1: I was going to get to that, dear, your, your comedy album, and, uh, and that
0: took me about a year to make it. Good, and it was the story that uh, I had to tell at every party like any time I, I showed up, my friends were like, "Oh, you got to tell these people the story about the house fire and it was it was you know it was funny at parties, but when I tried to do it on stage, it didn't translate and there was a lot of trial and error and it was figuring that story out that I sort of figured out how to do long form storytelling uh, and it was just you know going through it and and figuring out what needed to be there and what didn't and like I always tell people, if uh, they ask for advice on on comedic storytelling, uh, the first thing you do after you've you know figured out the beats of the story on stage, the first thing you do is take out anything that isn't funny or doesn't drive the story forward. Like if it's if it's even if it happened, even if it's true, if it's not if it's not pushing forward the action and it's not getting a laugh, it's just extra space so right shop that out and get rid of it and then once once all those bits are gone and you're left with uh, the jokes and the story then you just put more jokes in you know then you just that's when you find you start
1: loading it up yeah and you know it, it's uh like a jingle truck in india just filled with people
0: you know it, it, and honestly to, for strong writing uh you got to go back to the rules and lessons your english teacher taught you you know pay attention to alliteration and and uh be conscious of proper use of simile, you know, <laughs> if you're going to say like be comparing
1: something to something else. <laughs> that's, Oh, that's a major crutch for me. I, I think you need to do a workshop, maybe for my mom, because she leaves these long winded voicemail messages that go absolutely nowhere. Oh, if, uh,
0: I, I, <laughs> if, if I could cure mums from long winded messages. Uh, <sighs> I, i'd answer the phone when my mom called
1: <laughs> maybe, you know maybe there is an ending to the story but the voicemail cuts her off so i never even actually get yeah. to find out unless i call her back which may be part of actually her plan when my mom will it. ask
0: me if she's told me a story before and i'll say yes and that won't stop her no it just means that
1: you're, you she's going to elaborate further because you have the basic details. Yeah. <laughs> uh the comedy album you mentioned sex cop fire penis yep uh when was it 2014 so it was a couple years ago
0: um well i mean it, it came out uh not this past uh september but the september before
1: yeah okay so yeah uh
0: we recorded it uh between jfl and jfl 42 the original uh title of the album was between festivals because i recorded it uh directly in between the two just for laughs in Kingston, which is right. physically between the two just for laughs. And, uh, uh and then someone said, oh, that's a douchey title. So <laughs> I changed it to sex cop, fire penis, uh, because that's pretty much what the album's about.
1: It's compelling. People want to listen to the, they have to find out. They want to know it. And especially
0: the way it's, it's spelled because I had it set up as a name. It's sex cop is one word. Fire penis is one word. Yeah first last yeah it's like a weird <laughs> stripper name i'm
1: sex cop fire penis comedy album seems to be a lost art almost you don't see a lot of like when i was in high school adam sandler comedy albums i believe dennis leary you know I, i'm thinking about all these comedy records i or i guess cds that i used to listen oh, I to know. i don't
0: think it's so much that the comedy album is disappearing but the physical album is disappearing maybe that's it um Like, I I don't even have physical copies of Sex Cop Fire pieces. So
1: I couldn't get a copy on vinyl.
0: No, no. I mean, (laughs) uh, you know, we we joke about putting out, you know, limited edition prints and shit, but (laughs) it's a a comedy record. Most people, most people I find listen to the album on Spotify or Pandora anyways these days, Uh, but I, like, when we when we recorded the album, there was the question you know, do we want to do around of CD printing? And it was like, well, that's, that's just more money. Uh, there's just another
1: expense. And it's CDs that You got to cart around to yeah. every comedy gig and, and try and hawk them on people.
0: And I, like, I, I really hated dragging around, like, you know, cause we used to sell the, the comedy records, uh, uh, present CD and we do the tours and we'd bring a ca- a case of, uh, records with us and, I mean that it, it's using up someone's carry-on spot, or you're paying extra to to ship it out there, and, it, and you know it's uh, it'd be one thing if like you know if you could get there and there'd be a whole stack of printed albums, great. But the fact that I gotta cart them everywhere with me, it's just it's just a whole other pain in the ass that you don't want to deal with. Just, yeah just go online buy it there they'll send me the money when it's all <laughs> worthwhile streams on spotify you said yeah, yeah
1: and it's on uh i got it on itunes that's yeah. how i do my music and and purchasing itunes
0: uh is the the main way of doing it i've seen it on amazon as well uh uh and itunes is like i mean that's just where you send everybody for for music and that's the new if you standard. Don't have, if you don't have iTunes, what are you
1: doing? That's the new Sam the Record Man. Yeah. <laughs> Being new to Toronto, like I say, this is our first episode here from the Toronto Green Room. Uh, I one of the first stories after I got to town was um, uh, the Sam the Sam the Record Man is uh, the the big sign. They're going to renovate that whole sign. It, growing up in Toronto was that an iconic piece of Toronto for you? Like my big memory of Sam the Record Man is they tried to sue
0: my friend's high school band. No. Uh, my friend had a band called Laughing Sam's Dice, and uh, they got a they got a letter from lawyers representing Sam the Record Man, who felt their use of Sam infringed on their copyright of Sam. And uh, it, was, it was like it was like a sixteen year old kid being <laughs> filed a cease and desist. Uh, because a, a record store thought they were the only place, to, so I I really couldn't give a shit when they closed. Uh, my whole thing was fuck these guys. You tried to sue teenagers. Yeah. People over, don't forget that shit <laughs> over the name Sam. Yeah. Get fucked. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: my my friend actually used to stage protests. He uh, he took his band down and they pulled out signs and uh, protested in front of Sam. And uh, yeah, the lawyers were pretty quick to repeal their uh, I decision because. It was like, hey, why is this uh, giant record store bullying a garage band from Etobicoke?
1: Speaking of lawsuit bullies, similar situation. Metallica uh, sued a London, Ontario Metallica tribute band. I think, and, and don't quote me on this, but I think because the font in their logo was too close to actually Metallica's font yeah, or no, something ridiculous. And, and <laughs>
0: Metallica has uh, become the most disappointing rock and roll band uh I think ever uh if it wasn't them suing Napster, I understand protecting your royalties as then, an artist, and, you understand you know, I understand yeah. it because there's a business side to it, and it's how you make your money and you know but uh, then when they put out the uh the documentary where they all went to group therapy oh, together. Fuck. It is just like, oh, oh, the millionaires can't get along.
1: It's not a good way to endear yourself to your fan base. They're in therapy crying over what? Like, who took the last beer out of the fridge on the bus? Like, I don't understand what there is to complain about.
0: And it's getting to the point that <laughs> when the pop acts
1: are more rock and roll than the... <laughs> yeah, Miley Cyrus, Vice Magazine, did a piece on Miley Cyrus and said Miley is more punk rock than punk rock right now. And you know what? I couldn't. I read the article. I read the arguments that they made, and I I couldn't debate it. I said, yeah, she is. She is. The the rappers are the new rock stars. Like back in the 70s, you had Jimmy Page throwing television sets out of a hotel window out onto the streets of New York. There's just not that many rock
0: bands out there. I mean,
1: let's be honest. Name a famous rock band that's not the Foo Fighters right now. I did a blog on the Green Room uh, website um, and talked about when the Foo Fighters announced they are going on hiatus. I said uh, uh, that this is—they're the last real rock band out there, and without them, is rock going to survive? Because they're the only ones, and no wonder they need a hiatus—they've been waving the flag for the last five years, the only rock band touring, selling out stadiums, releasing records. Yeah, I
0: mean, uh, and, and you know, it's the one thing like putting out new material you know because you can go see classic rock rush just announced they're retired from touring neil pert uh yeah. has uh got uh, severe arthritis and uh, can't uh, do the tours schedule acdc's anymore.
1: falling apart brian johnson yeah. can't sing because he blew out his eardrum and then uh, phil Rudd, the drummer is i think he's a meth head i think he, they had to kick him out of the band well, didn't someone try to hire a
0: hitman he tried to hire a
1: hitman against someone for slandering him over meth and then he got arrested for meth possession it i there's a lot of different storylines there it's hard to follow uh, and it's over in australia too i can't understand the stories of the accent sometimes so there's that and then uh, eagles of death metal are still pretty bad p- badass you still have the chili peppers um yeah they yeah. You know they've got a new album coming out they're going on tour but i just feel like the chili peppers are distracted flea's hobby is uh is beekeeping now This is a legit thing. He keeps bees, which would make a great reality TV show, Fleas Bees. I'm just saying. But (laughs) Dave Grohl's hobby is, oh, we're on hiatus? I'm going to start seven other bands with other people and create more music. Like, that's rock and roll. That's what rock and roll is. And I worry for for the state of music in general just without the genre and without Dave Grohl doing his thing. Uh, Not only a stand-up comedian, uh, not only in uh, the TV show Letter Kenny, which you can check out on Crave TV, but... I heard, and I tried IMDb being this, but I couldn't find it. That you were in as a child, a child actor in uh, Goosebumps. There was in two episodes of Goosebumps. Really, well, it should be on my IMDb. Uh, <laughs> we better write them.
0: <laughs> I might be listed as just Trevor Wilson. Oh, in maybe those yeah. episodes. Uh, you know, I did uh, two episodes, Haunted uh, Mask Part Two, which uh, you'll never see me in. My name shows up in the credits, and that's the only time. I got uh, cut out of the actual episode, but I still get paid when it's aired. And, uh, then That's a I good did, gig. Uh, then I did uh, My Best Friends Invisible a couple years later, they brought me back. Played bullies in both episodes. <laughs> I mean, that was, a, uh, you know, in the 90s in Toronto, they had uh, Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark shooting out of right. Toronto. So, I mean, pretty much every kid actor uh, working had to do a, a round. Uh, everyone did at least one episode. Do you still talk to any of the, the posse from back then? Uh, I still got some friends from, uh, from back in the day, guys that I, I came up with at the uh, ESA and, uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, we're all in, we're all in different places and different, uh, 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 parts of our careers. And, uh, you know, some people have decided that they're, you know, it, it's not real acting if it's not the stage, you know, right. some people are, uh, the artists, Uh, you know some people have made a comfortable living in science fiction and uh some of us are clowns
1: (laughs) (laughs) another guy we've had on the podcast in the past is uh clifford myers yeah and we uh, asked him whether he ever got mistaken for you and he said it happens all the time and then people come up to you and mistake you for clifford like they come up to you and say hey were you naked at your show the other week it, it hasn't happened in a while, uh, but well, Clifford hasn't been getting naked lately. <laughs>
0: but they're, they're, you know, I, I find I find anyone uh, if you're heavy set and bearded for some reason, people just lump you up. Like the number of people over the years who've told me I look exactly like Zach Galifianakis. I have a beard. Yeah. And he has a beard, and you're funny, both of you. Yeah, and then that's about where the comparison, I think, ends. But I mean, I I remember just auditioning through the years, and whoever the hot chubby guy was, that's who, that's who was in the breakdown. You know, for years they were. Could you bring? You know, we were doing our best Chris Farley impressions at auditions, and then. Jack Black became the it chubby guy. So we were all, all the breakdowns were looking for that Jack Black type. Then, really? That happens. Like, Oh, they, it, there's no creativity in casting. <laughs> this is mind blowing because I like, I, to think, I, get, I get the, still get breakdowns like looking for a Seth Rogen type or, you know, uh, uh, looking for a Zach Galifianakis type. Think the hangover.
1: I find it so like, I think I, I have a pretty good grasp on the entertainment business and how it kind of works. But that is kind of mind-blowing to me because I just can't believe that they would have an archetype, like a famous chubby person or overweight person, that they then just send down the channels and say, find us more of these. Yeah, yeah. We can't
0: afford uh, Chris Farley, so get us a Chris Farley-ish guy. For the Um, next
1: Hortons commercial or whatever.
0: Like, uh, think about how many... uh, for, For probably 20 years... The only, uh, accent you've heard in a commercial is some guy doing a bad Scottish accent. That's
1: what you think it sounds like.
0: And, uh, I mean, that started, you know, with, uh, like I started with SNL, I think with, and, and uh, a bit with, uh, uh, Mike Myers doing the Scottish voices right. and then, you know, and then it was everywhere. And I, I really thought the Scottish accent was finally going to die off when they found out the Keats guy was a pedophile. <laughs> but for years after it's like you know they tell you they don't want you to do a scottish accent but probably bring a scottish accent like i've I auditioned you know for a hundred things where they're looking for a, a a hilarious accent and they they're pretending that they don't want it to be scottish but that's all that they know but can you do a scottish accent i think i can do a, you know a commercial version of a scottish right. accent I think, <laughs> I think everyone can do a couple lines of fat bastard like Oh, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back ribs. (laughs) Chili, juicy, baby back ribs. Oi, get in my belly. I actually had a Scottish great-grandmother, though, so. (laughs) (laughs) So you
1: have some inspiration on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a Scottish cleaning lady when I was a kid, and uh, she, for some reason, had lived in Canada for about 20 years, but her accent didn't lighten up at all. And it was the thickest thing. Couldn't understand a word. You know, when dogs are confused and their head goes off to the side, Yeah. my mom told me when I was six years old, I actually did that when she was talking to me. I didn't understand. Couldn't, couldn't decipher
0: it. My friend, Jr. uh, uh, Her parents were both from Scotland. And so uh, up until she went to school, she'd never really been around people who didn't have a Scottish accent. So she was this tiny little girl born in Toronto and showed up the first day of kindergarten with this thick Scottish brogue because <laughs> it's all she'd ever heard. All she, that's how she knew speaking.
1: One of, my, <laughs> one of my hobbies is I play the bagpipes, actually. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, and I find Scottish accents and in people's interpretations of what they are, and also the bagpipes are very similar because there are a lot of really shitty bagpipe players out there. Horrific. If they got up in front of a crowd and played... With the same acumen, any other instrument that people could like physically recognize, like if they got up and played a guitar or a violin or a cello or something yeah. like that, uh, with the acumen that they play the bagpipes, they would get booed off the stage. Nay, they would be lynched in the street. But because of the bagpipes, nobody understands what they're supposed to sound like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, half, half the population, even if you play it really well, it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We have this uh, volcano vaporizer here in the Ooh. green room. Do you want to give it a shot? I think we should. It's right. only fair. All right. It's not exactly. It's 420 somewhere, right? let <laughs> <laughs> take a little, a little break. The Green Room Podcast is powered by 420 Kingston and 420
0: Session Lounge and Microshop. Mm. The pot scene is uh, in Toronto. We've got a great uh, uh, collection of rooms and venues which are now uh, under threat of uh, uh, Kathleen Wynne's brilliant fucking strategies. She's pissing everyone off. I I don't... With Kathleen Wynne, uh, to me, seems uh, very well-intentioned, but has not done enough research. Uh, um, Like I I think she means well, but I don't think she has thought everything through and just pushes through these ideas that uh, are, are just really fucking everything up. Yeah. And uh, um, when, when they changed the smoking laws to make it illegal to smoke on patios, like, the first part of that law, like, they don't want you smoking in, you know, public parks, play areas, anywhere that the children might be playing. I get that. You know, like, you don't smoke in a kid's playground, that makes perfect sense. But patios, uh, like the only people who were in Canada, half the year, the only people on the patio are smokers. They're the other, cause they're out there and that way they can have a smoke and their drink. And the bars want them on the patio cause they mm-hmm. know that they can see them and they're not walking away. Now everyone has to go stand out on the sidewalk and it just creates more people on the sidewalk it just it's more of a mess of people yeah that's the last
1: thing a sidewalk needs and more the,
0: feet the, damn it and the bar uh, you know has got to trust that people are going to come back in and not just walk out on the bill uh i just i don't think it was well thought out like i'm just imagining the summer and what the black bowl is going to look like that patio is for smoking and now it's just going to be everybody lining that tiny stretch of sidewalk uh and yeah with this lumping uh vaping in with e-cigs and and cigarettes you can't you can't call people's medicine the same as uh smoking cigarettes
1: whatever it's going to be legal soon anyways i don't care what kathleen has to say i'm more concerned about what justin's up to look at colorado jobs and infrastructure i think they even gave their citizens a rebate uh because they had too much money
0: and and some of the banks still won't uh allow the the weed shops to open up accounts Really? I read an whole article that the the weed shops, like uh, a lot of them, had to hire uh, armored cars to pay their taxes. Oh, wow. Uh, because the 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 banks wouldn't let them open up a business account, so uh, all of their business has been cash. Like, uh, wow. I, I told my roommate, I think the next big uh, uh, big robbery is going to be of uh, cash weed businesses. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what what do the masks look like? What do they dress up as when they heist a a weed business?
0: Luckily, they're surprising. They'd probably be surprisingly easy to rob, provided all the employees are high.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. just uh, we're taking this. Like, oh, don't, oh no.
1: <laughs> Doing a stand up comedy of vapor lounge must be must be a different experience like I've done a couple yeah well I mean I the, I just have to tell myself they're laughing on the inside it's
0: funny people are like oh man the stone crowds must laugh all the time no they they're they're actually pretty internal uh, yeah, you, what you got to look for is uh people shaking their shoulders yeah, that's yeah. a good sign' or, a
1: squinty nod or
0: if they're hitting their buddy uh, <laughs> and repeating what you just said that's, that's a that's a good sign. Uh, I've, I've often warned people when like on their first time performing in a weed room like don't get too upset if, if they're not laughing out loud because they're probably think they are yeah. and, and if you call them on it then then they're just thinking about that and then if you're like why aren't you guys laughing they'll be like oh my god I thought
1: I was laughing yeah whatever you do don't trigger anyone's I'm, I'm, anxiety I'm not laughing
0: what, what was I doing if I wasn't laughing and then now they're off on that tangent and they're not paying attention to the joke
1: yeah
0: now, the audiences are, are often quiet, but incredibly attentive. And you'll find that out afterwards when you get off stage. and people are like, that was great, man. The other
1: positive, no hecklers. I, I don't think- Very few.
0: Very few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had a guy interrupt me at a pot show once and I just, I, I literally just went, it's very rude to interrupt someone in the middle of a story and went back to my set and i heard the guy's friend slap him and go you're making us look bad
1: <laughs> yeah I, I find the most uh heckly of characters is always i would say a 25 to 30 year old woman with a glass of red wine or several glasses of red wines do you find that at a comedy club
0: um i've i've seen them all uh i think uh there's definitely, definitely the, the the loud woman with too much wine, is a, a frequent visitor. But uh, a lot of times I've met uh, a drunk douchebag who uh, he thinks he's the funny guy in his group of friends, and now he's mad that no one's paying attention to him. Uh, bachelorette parties. And, and, and girl birthday parties. That's like some bachelorette parties when they show up with like the, the, the they're all wearing cock soothers around their neck. and yeah, they yeah, yeah. Crowns made out of cocks and a giant chocolate cock cake. And-
1: uh, It writes itself, you know, actually. A, uh,
0: Ron White put it best, like uh, with a bachelorette party, they don't need you to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, they're having a good time. And uh, it's really hard to shush them because like, you know, it is a bachelorette party. So like the old people are like, Oh, I remember when we did that. And you know,
1: yeah. When the crazy aunt shows up, just wanted to to wish you girls. And all the
0: dudes are like, check out those chicks sucking those fake cocks. (laughs) So they're hard to compete with. Uh, And, and you know, to the girl's birthday party, just fuck ladies. I love you. But uh, uh, on your special day, some of you are just right awful. Just like, I get it's your birthday, but you, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to break my spine bending over backwards to show you how awesome you are on your special day. <laughs> all you did was not die. That's, that's all you did. You know how hard it is, to, how easy it is to not die? Old people do it
1: all the time. Before uh, K-Trev uh, departs the green room, uh, we wanted to get him to, I, I just want, you know, I want to hear you one day Uh, read a book on tape. Oh, yeah. For some reason... We could have some fun with that. Yeah. I thought that maybe there might be some good material in Fifty Shades of Grey. We have a few quotes in front of us here. From
0: Fifty Shades? I eye Christian's toothbrush. It would be like having him in my mouth. Hmm.
1: (laughs) Are you allowed to write hmm dot dot dot? Is that allowed... Are publishers allowed to do that? I think that's like text language lol written in here he steps out
0: of his converse shoes and reaches down and takes his socks off individually christian gray's feet wow what is it about naked feet you know this is written for uh housewives uh, Now I know what all of the fuss is about. Two orgasms coming apart at the seams like the spin cycle on a washing machine. Wow. (laughs) She writes wow with a period. I'm sorry, but if you're not exclaiming wow, you're being sarcastic. He's hard and soft all at once, like steel encased in velvet and surprisingly
1: tasty you know what I kind of actually know what that it's about (laughs) I actually know that have you ever blown one soft you ever done that (laughs) what have you ever blown one soft have you ever reached fruition while only like kind of semi there uh no I can't say
0: that I have when I'm I'm wearing a rubber it's an uphill battle just to
1: oh yeah yeah. just to get there kind of like that soft and hard all at once steel encased in velvet i relate to that line actually you know what that's going to stand up in the in the annals of uh, literary history steel <laughs> steel wrapped in velvet <laughs> Okay, Trevor Wilson thank you so much for uh, being here in the green room thanks for having me bud. our inaugural episode here from Toronto and uh, excited to glad uh, I could uh, glad I could break the cherry here and uh, excited to uh, be part of the city hopefully we'll get to do some comedy together hopefully, at some point hopefully man hopefully talking to uh, Barry Taylor comedy records good man of, uh, good maybe, man Barry maybe getting Taylor. on some shows um, this week uh, you're at Absolute Comedy Toronto and then the following week following two weeks I'll be at Absolute Ottawa awesome uh, and then In
0: second week of April, I'll be at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. Thanks, bud. That
1: was awesome. That was great, dude.
0: The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
1: I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod Six One Seven, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts.